Hi, I'm David Corton. I'm a member of the Club of Rome, have an MBA and PhD degrees from the Stanford Business School, and I'm a former Harvard Business School professor. I've lived and worked 21 years in Ethiopia, Central America, Philippines, and Indonesia on a mission to end global poverty. Moved back to the United States to New York City in 1992 and set up my office between Union Square or on Union Square between Wall Street and Madison Avenue to devote the rest of my life to educating the world to the devastation I observed being wrought against Earth and the world's people by the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, capitalism, Wall Street, and transnational corporations. I subsequently wrote the international bestsellers when corporations rule the world and the great turning from empire to earth community. My other books include The Post-Corporate World, Life After Capitalism, and Change the Story, Change the Future, A Living Economy for a Living Earth. My current work centers on advancing a global transition to an ecological civilization for a 21st century world. We will be discussing these topics and more in the days ahead. Welcome back. You are now at part four of this delicious conversation where we're sinking our teeth into an episode of Curiosity Bites with the amazing David Corton. He is an MBA, PhD degrees from Stanford Business School. He's a best-selling author of numerous books, including the international bestseller, When Corporations Rule the World. This conversation has probably uh, taken you down paths you never even imagined. We've talked about um, organizations that are held as uh, by conspiracy theorists, um, we've talked about population control, we've talked about the, the uh, death economies, we've talked about how we need to start thinking globally as a global tribe, and now we're really looking at, in part four, this idea of a neoliberal economy, that, and, and we were talking about, just as we came into it, looking at how so much of the society we live in has facilitated a uh, the rise of narcissism, the rise of the sociopath, the psychopath, um, and the facilitation of that, whether it is a genetic situation or whether it is an environmental situation, but that has risen stronger and stronger. So let's jump into part four with david corton welcome back okay david so we were talk we were talking about um as we finished up there like i said we were talking about sociopaths psychopaths um a system that has facilitated those um the n rand who is in in many ways you know like you said you grew up as a republican kid um she seemed like if I was to pick a, a, a thematic head of the Republican Party, hmm. probably much would have to be Ayn Rand. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I think it's an interesting observation. I haven't looked at her for quite a while, but I, 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 I had a period of time back uh, just after I was, well, I'd finished my PhD and I'd gone in the military and I was during the Vietnam War. And I, I recall that I I read a bit of Anne Rand, mm -hmm. and 
I found it very interesting because I found it so seductive. Absolutely. Very well said. And I, even as I realized that there is something deeply evil about this, and yet it just, I, I, I still don't know what it, what it, what it is about it that's sort of seductive. It's, you know, that is such a great way of putting it. It is, I remember when I read Atlas Shrugged and Fountainhead, and I was in my 20s, so it was a couple of weeks away. <laughs> and um, just being very enamored with this idea, because it, it's what you talked about at the beginning, this idea, first of all, of individualism. Yeah. And I am a rebel. Uh, you know, I'm very much the individual. I, I like to not follow other people's rules. I'm not pretending that that's not true about me. But this seemed to say at all cost. A and it, 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 I mean, her thinking was so, as you say, seductive, because it was, it was absolute nihilism in the context of doing good for the world by being a nihilist. It, yeah. it was like, it was the absolute best in sleight of mind, not sleight of hand, sleight of mind. You know, it was like, what's what this party of mind, but I'm going to just do this. Yeah. So talk to us about this, this rise of those personality types in this economy, in this uh, GDP focused world we live in. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little less, uh, I guess I have less to say about the, the rising of the individual, other than just recognizing that by, you know, psych, psychoanalysis, mm -hmm. um, the, the, the individualistic ideal of neoliberal economics um, you know, is, is the psychopath. Um, you know, in terms of the emergence of the economics, the way I understand it, it, you know, if you go back and actually, if you read Adam Smith and David Ricardo and those early economists, even uh, somewhat Karl Marx, mm -hmm. they were really trying to understand society and yes. its organization. And of course, the the sort of technical definition of, of economics, it's about household management. Yes. And, and so now it's how do we manage the, uh, the earth household. But by my understanding, back in the, the mid-19th century, you had a group of economists who felt that, I mean, this, this was an expression of ego, that uh, economics was not properly respected among the social scientists, sciences. Mm -hmm. And they were very taken by the respect that physics got within the physical sciences. And so they looked at, well, why, why is that? Well, it seems that physics has reduced everything to mathematical models, right. mathematical formula. So we need to do that for economics. Mm. And so then by the story, as I understand it, they, they took a, a a mathematical model that was unpopular in physics. They substituted uh, economic 
variables for the physical variables and declared economics a science. Hmm. And, you know, a lot of physicists at the time apparently came forward and said, well, that's absurd. <laughs> what you put together makes no sense. Uh, even more to the point, the physicists ultimately abandoned the model that the economists had embraced, but the economists held to it. And, of course, reducing everything to mathematics, mm -hmm. uh, the easiest way to do that is reduce everything to money. So you you take money as your defining value, and voila, <laughs> you you turn economics into a science. Well, as you said, money is nothing more than a concept, and it's now digital numbers, nothing else, yeah. right? Exactly. And therefore, it's a concept. Uh, when people say there's no money, I'm like, you may not have direct access, but there is trillions of dollars circulating the planet every yeah. single day digitally and if you think about digital and you think about wi-fi it's literally passing through you <laughs> day, right? think yeah. about it right yeah. in the resonance fields you know as a as as a wave as a waveform money is passing through you every day trillions of dollars okay yeah. but it's a concept <laughs> like damn it's not it's not, it's not sticking <laughs> I want some of this. Exactly. <laughs> so do you think that, you know, what you're saying is, is that the, the, the neoliberal economics, the, the pinnacle of that is the, the psychopath <clears throat> is, do you think that that's what, because there's no doubt, and you heard me talk about this with John, there's no doubt that we are seeing a new rise of the strongman leader. Like I talked about before with Bolsonaro, we talked about it with Trump, with, and there are more and more, even Modi in India, more and more of these guys raising to, do you think that that's why? I think that's part well, of it. I, I, I think it's because more and more people are, are finding themselves in desperate situations they have no idea how to get out of it. And, and you get these, uh, these strong, supposedly strong leaders yeah. coming, telling these people, yeah, the, the, the system is screwing you and I have the answer. Um, I mean, this is so fascinating. If you, if you listen to Trump, mm -hmm. um, you know, he has the answer. You leave it to me. Yep. I don't even need to explain it to you, but you know, I'll I'll give you the new health system you need. Um, don't worry, I've got it here. Um, well, the language is entire. I mean, for those of you like you and I who understand, the language is totally egoic. And, oh yeah. And it's fascinating to watch the people swarm around that egoic language um which sends every message that i don't give a crap about you um and yet people surround that and and it's you know it's something i've talked about with my political friends which is people who will rally around and vote against their best interest um which is really a statement of being a victim and looking for a hero uh, and, uh, you know, I'm constantly 
how do we awaken people around the fact that you, you know, your leader says there is no, nothing to worry about, but the pandemic is going to disappear into thin air. And now he's sick with it. Mm -hmm. um, how do you explain that the economy's in the toilet and he only, he can fix it. He's going to fix healthcare and he has a new plan that's coming out in two weeks. Then it's two more weeks. Then it's two more weeks. And it's, it's never going to arrive. What do you see there, David? You know, do you just think people are thick? It, I realize that might I mean, it's got so, it's got so many sources, but you know, one is creating our dependence on money, mm -hmm. along with an economic story that is totally deceptive. Um, the other is that all of our solutions depend on systems. Uh, the way Earth organizes is, is systems. And it's mm -hmm. the interaction between all of these cells and all of these species, massively complex. Mm -hmm. Our whole education system, however, is organized around disciplines. Yep. We break everything up into these little slices. Prussian school system made for the industrial age. Yeah, you know, one thing you didn't mention in your in your introduction is that I was also a member of the Harvard Business School faculty. Yes. Also the, the Harvard School of Public Health and the Harvard Institute for International Development. Um, one of the things I realized is the more prestigious the university, the more narrow the specialties. The need to, to become recognized as an expert in more and more about less and less. Whereas all of our issues and all of our needs are so totally interdependent and they require an ability to think and act in holistic terms. So it's almost like our whole education system is geared to pushing us in the wrong direction. So you just brought up something there that is a for me is a fascinating subject um, that we live in a niche specialized economic world. The more specialized you are, the higher your accolades are, the more applause you get, the more recognition you get, the more power you get, the higher level of achievement and therefore the le higher level of power. And I understand it. I can acknowledge its value in, it, in its way. I'm not that. Um, I'm highly specialized at a lot of things. I'm deeply knowledgeable about a lot of things. And that is what fires me and interests me. And I don't think that if I only understood psychology, I would understand the world. I don't think if I only understood sociology or politics, I would only understand, I would understand the world. I don't think if I only understood metaphysical studies or quantum physical studies, I would understand the world. I, and I think that, I don't think that I understand the world anyway, but I think that I have a better chance of being able to be curious about the world and how these systems are interdependent 
by being willing to know about different things. And you, you know, yours is in economics and in psychology, and you've got these, you know, political backgrounds and, and advising to, you know, I mean, you're in groups with Mikhail Gorbachev and, you know, he's a member of the Club of Rome and people like that. You're interplaying with so many different worlds as well. Do you think that that's part of the problem is that we, we were so driven towards not just money, but that the, the, the we understand that significance drives money. And so if I have the higher accolades and the specialty, then I have a greater level of significance and I have a greater level of income. And I'm actually a bit of a dumbass about the world. Yeah. Because I've, I, I've often said, even as a kid, I was fascinated by how many people I knew who were really smart and incredibly dumb. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I've run into a few of those. Yeah, right. So that's really interesting to me that you brought that up. So. Well, again, it's, you know, it, systemic. It's, it's systemic. And the problem is, is in our head. Mm. And a, a, a recognition that, um, you know, not only is Donald Trump not going to provide a solution, nobody is going to provide a solution. There is no individual that we can put in, uh, not even Joe Biden, nope. who will solve all our problems. Um, you know, the best we can hope for in a national leader is a leader who will actually help bring us together so that we can actually function as communities focused on meeting our needs together in ways that are about, involve a balanced relationship with nature. Now, here's another big piece of this mm -hmm. is that as we have moved to this current money world, we have given more and more power to the institutions of money. The, the Wall Street banks yep. and transnational corporations who control the money, which we now find ourselves dependent on because it is our token to get the real life things that we really need. And even though, you know, in a sense, the love that we truly want. Now, oh. I'm going to ask you to wave the magic wand, David. All right. Well, I'm going to make let, you let me let me just go one one step. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Your thought, which is, yeah. um, you know, our our corporations and our banks have more power than our governments, which are supposed to be democratic. They of course are not, but no. we basically have to shift power back to community. And uh, we have to recognize that money has to be controlled. I mean, it has to be a creation of a community uh, created for community benefit. And our business firms must be accountable to the communities in which they do business. Because the only, you know, a corporation 
is totally a human creation. It exists purely because a government has issued a charter. And the only reason for a government to issue a charter is to serve a public purpose. So the purely private interest for-profit corporation is itself an illegitimate institution. And yet this mm -hmm. is the institution we have given the power to rule us as a now global society. So that's a key piece of, of what has to change. Well, that's one of the things that people don't actually know, um, which is that corporate charters um, were only given in the beginning um, with a, I know you know this, but with a very narrow bend and you had to, you had to, you were not given that charter. You were not allowed to be a corporation unless you could prove that you were going to serve the, serve the community and how you would serve the community. And you could not um, go out and, and control other things. You had to stay in that realm. Uh, that was just in the United States. Yeah. Quite true. And it, and it was only for a finite period of time. You fulfilled your purpose and you go away. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the, the idea of, of these corporations with purely private purpose, um, infinite lives. I mean, it's, it's, a, it, it, it's an intolerable institutional choice. But again, we come back and it's totally a human creation. There is nothing in nature that requires the existence of a corporation. Um, and so it, it then gets you into the whole set of issues around how do we transform our, our business firms? And to me, it's not going back to, uh, it's not going to government owning everything. Um, it, is, it is community control, not government control. I mean, it's like cooperatives. It's like, um, uh, it's like public utilities, which are not necessarily government controlled, but they're community controlled. Um, so, so it would, because for me, you know, I've been, I asked people who have talked to me about socialism and all this, and I said, you know, there's only one place I know of where it worked and it worked in, a, in its very pure sense, as in, you know, raised like a village in a modern world. There's only one place I know where it worked and it didn't work long enough, but that was the kibbutz. The kibbutz oh. in Israel was a community living. People were raised by the village but it was a first world system. It generated its money, but everything was distributed evenly and, and everybody was raised by a village. Kibbutz have gone, but they existed for a long time and they were actually the, maybe the bedrock of Israel and what, what the economics of Israel was built on. And, it, and Israel is actually now very Republican to use a term, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> so, and very much not that. Is, is that what you're talking about? That kind of a system, a kibbutzim? Yeah, that would be, it is that, it is that kind of dynamic. Um, you know, I think, it, I think it's similar to the way many traditional societies have organized, but it, it, you know, we have all sorts of modern models, including, you know, the Mondragon cooperatives in Spain. Um, you know, I think there are, are elements of, uh, of, of, of Cuba that there may be lessons. I mean, the, the, the point is we need to 
draw from all of these experiences, the best lessons we can, recognizing we've got a whole, a very different reality, a 21st century reality, um, you know, in terms of our needs, our environment, our politics, and so forth, uh, and our technology. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, this is something that I think a lot of, it's very hard for a lot of youth to, uh, to, to recognize. Um, you know, the, the shift that's taken place within, I guess this includes you in terms of our lifetime, but uh, when I first lived in Ethiopia, our only way of communicating back to the United States was snail mail. I mean, that was it. Yes. Um, and, you know, we had the advantage that by that time we had jet airplanes. So, you know, it could get your letter back and forth in a couple of weeks or so. Um, but now our capabilities for this kind of instant communication virtually with any person between any two people in the world. We're doing it right now. Yeah. Um, it, it, it fundamentally changes our, our potential of our relationships and, and, and how we think about ourselves and, and, how we define what is possible. Um, it, now, again, we're, we're seeing all of the horrendously bad ways this capability can be misused and abused. Yep. Um, but we, we, we originally saw it as a phenomenal opportunity, which it, which it still is if we learn to use it properly. So, again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you to wave the magic wand. I'm going to make you king of the world, <laughs> at least in mine and your particular fantasy. For I don't want to be king of the world because I don't have all the answers either. <laughs> no, I, I understand that. But in the context of, you know, you have a, a uh, not only a broader, but a deeper view. I mean, I think that, you know, again, I, I, we're going to let people know more about you and where they can find out more about you in a minute. But your background is so vast and and you have confronted a lot of these issues and you've sat in the, the rooms of power and and you've been on the ground in the villages as well you have a unique plea thing with that i mean it's the same as like like i said with john you know he, you know, he he's sitting with kings and and at the same time he's out in the amazon drinking ayahuasca with the locals right you know i mean you've been on the ground with the people in the communities and you've been in the the rooms of enormous power you have seen the faults in the system that you were part of like like john was um and the um first i guess i want to ask you do you see anyone really doing it really making that kind of difference and second of all if you could wave the magic wand and just instantaneously make it better, maybe not fix it, but move us in the right direction. So is there someone you see doing it really well or moving us towards that? Um, yeah, I think I'm rebelling at the question. That's okay, you can do that. In terms of someone. Well, it doesn't mean an individual, I'm sorry. 
Yeah, I, I mean, okay, it could right. be an organization. It could be, yeah. you know. Well, here's the fascinating experience that I'm having currently. Um, you know, my, you know, between myself and my wife, um, I don't know what we've been married. I don't, she remembers better than I do. We've been married something like 55, 56 years. Wow. Um, and, you know, we have shared this extraordinary life and we are both continuously uh, striving to to learn and facilitate these processes as we can. Mm -hmm. Now, what we see ourselves doing, uh, I am working more consistently at global levels than I ever have before. You know, with the Club of Rome, the Parliament of the World's Religions, and you know, groups that are are truly global and are engaged in these these deep conceptual uh, explorations. Yep. My wife is totally focused. Well, not totally, because part of a, a little national politics too. But um, she is focused on the local level primarily right here on Bainbridge oh. around issues of, of energy and transportation and how we're dealing with climate. And it's, they're extraordinary, it's an extraordinary process because um, it is truly community and it's, you know, people coming together and <clears throat> initiating and working together. Um, in, in, in ways that go beyond anything I've seen before. The, but the same thing, the conversations I'm dealing with at the global level are all, also going way beyond any conversations I've ever had before in my life. And I have no reason to believe that my experience is unique. Right. Th that I think this is going on almost everywhere at both local and global levels. Now, at the global level, it's all part of this, you know, reframing our common story and the way we think about ourselves. Yes. Uh, at the community level, it's about actually getting it done. Um, yep. And in a way, what any individual does or even, you know, what we do on here on Bainbridge Island is, in terms of this big picture, is, is, is basically totally irrelevant. Um, but if everybody all around the world is doing that at the local level, then it's, wow. It's a model. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's but it's, it's the process. It's, it, it's, it's the process of, of learning to think and act together as communities. Right. And, and communities that are self-organizing in ways that, that, at least around issues that they've never done before. And, and that to me is a, a great source of hope. And it, it, you know, it is engaging in exactly these kinds of processes that, uh, that I, th I think we need to be, you know, people who, who are doing it, uh, recognizing, affirming, um, 
sharing lessons between these different groups of what they're finding is, is most effective. Um, but then also ultimately connecting it to the, the, the big picture conversations about, um, you know, becoming a, a, a truly global species organizing around a holarchy of community in contrast to a hierarchy of power and control. And, and, and all of this within a frame of understanding that, yeah, money is a useful tool. And in our current situation, if you don't have it, you're finished. But money is not the purpose. <laughs> Life is the purpose. And we've got to totally redefine the, how we think about money and redefine the whole money system so that yes. it actually supports us as a tool rather than consuming us as a, an obsession. I think that that is a vitally important point. Uh, I mean, it's really what, what we've been talking about the whole time is shifting our thinking into being a community. Um, and again, where we started at the beginning, human beings are tribal. There's no doubt about that. But the only way we can evolve I believe the way we, only way we can truly evolve is to create a global tribe while understanding, I truly believe this. I believe greatly in, in uh, diversity. I believe in embracing everybody and all of us to, but the only way to truly embrace diversity is to recognize that we're all, we all have our own individuality. So embrace the individuality while having deep empathy and compassion and curiosity about the other gives us a way to connect without having to make someone other, you know, without having to make someone wrong or bad or whatever it is, but giving us that chance to, to see people in a different way. This has been a truly fascinating conversation, David. I would love for you to tell people where they can find out more about you, uh, your articles, your books, your work, the resources. I mean, you've been around a while and you've done a bit. Um, so there's a lot of, lot of really great stuff to find with you. I know there's YouTube videos with you on as well. But please tell people where they can find out more about you and all the wonderful things you've done. Well, the easiest thing is uh, go to my website, davidcorton.org. Okay. livingeconomiesforum.org. So global economies forum living 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 economies forum. Thank you. Sorry, living economies forum dot org and David dot org. And by the way, Corton is spelled K O R T E N. But we will of course put all that in the show notes for you. Yeah. Um, it's the same website, but either yep, either URL will get you there. Either URL will get you there, and your books are available everywhere. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Yep. Everywhere. I, I encourage going to your local bookstore. Yes. Uh, Jeff Bezos does not need more money. Now, come on. Blood's <laughs> on the dole. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just got to have a bit of money. You know, he's trying to help out here. He's going to pay for his lunch sandwiches. Call his accountant every hour of day to know how many billion dollars he has that doesn't need anymore. <laughs>
It's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, it's really a, a personification of what we were talking about, that um, he gave half of his money away to his wife in the divorce. Yeah. And then made more than that back during the pandemic, the first six months of the pandemic. Like, yeah, there might be something wrong with the system. <laughs> just maybe just a little bit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, David, I hope you'll stay with us to the end. Um, I want to thank you again for being with us. It's been a pleasure and an honor. And we're going to come back in a moment to you. But for you, dear listener, I want to uh, say thank you so much for being with us. It has been a joy. I really appreciate you being with us and, and, and being part of this conversation. And hopefully it has made you a little more curious about all of the things we talked about, particularly about money and how it works. You can find out more about me, Dove Barron, and, and hiring me as a speaker, a leadership strategist, or as an executive advisor for you or your organization by going to dovebarron.com. I want to thank you for sharing the show with everybody you know. You know what? We really need your help in getting this out there. We want to help people to expand their minds, to become more deeply curious um, it's really important. And I want to encourage you because as you've heard me say many times, I believe it's not the truth, but I believe that curiosity is the cure we're looking for. Curiosity is a way to even begin implementing a lot of things that David Courtney shared with us today. Remember that questions require answers. And oftentimes when we get those answers, someone becomes wrong and another person becomes right. However, curiosity requires understanding and that just deepens the way that we can connect and live as a global community. If you've enjoyed the show and you'd like to be part of uh, the videos and actually get the videos of these shows, they're going to be available exclusively at www.patreon.com forward slash Dove Baron. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash D-O-V. B-A-R-O-N. You can get over there right now and in just two minutes you can sign up, secure your position and get your teeth deeply embedded into Curiosity Bites. I'm Dov Barron. I'm here to assist you tapping into your dragon fire to reach that next level of clarity, focus, purpose and profit in your business and in your life and your leadership impact. Stay curious, my friends. Stay curious about how you have been hypnotized and seduced into an idea that GDP is a way to improve the world. And maybe, just maybe, it's not. I'm Dove Barron, and I am out.